Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We have a great lineup for you this week right across the board. You know, right here in my time spots, right here on the Dr. Pat show, but also on Transformation Talk Radio. A um, couple things that I want to just reflect upon for a moment. Uh, and what I'm so proud of with the network is I'm just so proud of the people that have come forward and have decided to have a very vocal representation about what their passions are and what they want us to act upon. And that is with the three women today, Anita Russell, Gail Hunter, and Mavis Bauman. They are the hosts of their own show, which you'll hear about. But the question really is, how do we get activism through coaching? And how is that a grassroots movement? Now, here's what I wanna say to everybody. There is a level of learning that must happen if you are going to be out in the world as an activist. Now, how do I know that? Well, if I look at my own history and my own past, we had a lot of coaches. Now, I, we didn't call them coaches, but if you were gonna do a rally with people like Bella Abzuk or Gloria Steinem or uh, Shirley Chisholm, if you were gonna be out there with people, these folks had it together. They were able to help you with how to show up in the world. And yet we're looking at voices that want to be heard and don't know where to begin. Mm. And every one of us need to learn some new tools. That's why today we're talking about what it means to develop activism through a coaching model. And these, these women, these three women today, they have got it going on. Welcome to the show. Great to have you all here. It's great to be here. Um, I want to start out with you, Anita, and then we'll, we'll hop over to Gail and Mavis. I want to just ask you this question. Um, I've done a lot of reflecting on the word activism recently. Um, somebody asked me to, to uh, run for office, political office, and I said, you know, that's not mine to do in this lifetime. And then they asked me a different question. They said to me, well, what will you do, Pat? What are you doing? And I totally forgot that I have a network that has the voices of all you all. Mm -hmm. So like, but I've been thinking about what that means. What does it mean to you, Anita, as you look ahead, as you look at where you are right now, right? And you look forward a little bit, you know, what is it? that sparks your heart into action in the spirit of activism through coaching? 
Mm -hmm. So activism to me is very much related to the word activate. And it really is this sense of activating something different, of being able to look at a given situation and say something about that situation needs to change. Something about that situation needs to be different. And then the question becomes, what am I going to do to contribute to the activation of that difference or that change? And so that's kind of where I come from, from the standpoint of activism through coaching. That's something that I coined myself. I'm sure it's not like totally original, but um, it does really reflect the approach that not only the approach that I take, but it also reflects the place where I am in my life right now. So just to give a little bit of background, I am a transformational life coach. I wasn't always a transformational life coach. I used to be a research scientist and my life has been such an incredible journey, but it's been a, a journey of me really understanding who I am and sort of molding my identity over the course of time, right? And so... I got this research background, scientist. I was the person in the lab with the goggles and the white coat and, and all of that. And then midway in my corporate career, I just made a very dramatic change and moved into learning and development. And then shortly thereafter, well, maybe 10 years later, I left corporate America altogether and just decided that my life was intended to be for a different type of purpose. And I landed in the arena of life coaching because I could look at myself and say, wow, when I look at the changes and the evolution of my own life and I'm articulate enough and I can connect to people enough that I can help them to kind of engage in that evolution of their own lives. And so when I look at it where I am today from a coach from an activism uh, perspective, I come from, my mom was an activist. So I grew up on the elements of activism and, and all of that. Um, it's just a part of my makeup, some of my own experiences. Um, but things really came together for me in 2020, uh, shortly after the murder of George Floyd. Um, a daughter, one of my daughters and I had a conversation about whether or whether or not I thought that her son at the time was only about three months old. If I thought that one day he was gonna to have to protest in his lifetime to freely and peacefully exist in the skin in which he was born, that triggered a whole host of things in me. I ended up writing a book uh, called Cultivating Change from the Inside Out. From there, I just started down this path of creating this activism through coaching models. So it's kind of combine, combining that activism space in my life with the coaching space in my life. And one of the reasons that I like it, taking it from that perspective, is that it's at the individual level. Because I'm not into politics necessarily. And so, you know, the politics and the economics and the, you know, trying to change the laws and everything, that's not my flow. My flow is sitting down across the table from people and having bona fide conversations about racism. So that's kind of where that activism uh, through coaching, how it kind of... Yeah came to in, in my life. 
Yeah, I love that. And I want to get to Gail and, and Mavis as well. I love that because, you know, before I did the show, um, I thought to myself, that same question I asked myself, you know, because I found myself sort of in a fog, you know, from somebody that grew up like you. And I grew up with a mom that was just like, you didn't even have to say the word active. You, you didn't have to say anything right to her. Um, but I've went, I, I kind of fell asleep. And it was the Matthew Shepard incident that woke me up, I think, in 98, but not enough enough to really do anything. But I love you three because you're doing something, right? Mavis, you want to go next? Gail, we're on fire. Sure, <laughs> sure. I'll go next. Um, the word activism is uh, pretty challenging for someone like me. I grew up in western Nebraska in a totally white environment. And I think if I'd been asked what activism was in those years, I would have probably said violence or protesting or, um, uh, you know, some sort of physically active um, uh, fight against something. Um, now, I mean, working with Anita has just opened up the whole idea in such a different way. Um, I've always been passionate about certain things, curious about certain things, certainly about race. I studied Black studies when I was in college. I've always been interested. But I remember, you know, after uh, George Floyd, a friend of mine, a Black friend said, what will you do? Same thing. What will you actually do? And that really, really troubled me. Because I kept thinking that if you were kind of nice in the world and you loved everybody, that was enough. And it's so not. So um, uh, we, we layer this or I layer this conversation for, you know, during inflection point on uh, a history of working in corporate America. Um, then I had a freelance writing business, photography business. Um, and um, I started a nonprofit for genocide survivors in Rwanda. And that really crystallized for me how much we can hurt each other. Yeah. We can kill each other with a blunt instrument just to have a meal that night. And I wanted to get to the bottom of that. So as we go through this conversation, Anita, Gail, and I, and then the other people that we're meeting in the process, um, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to understand what's underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just you know, want to encourage listeners that if you're afraid of the word activism, think about what you're actually doing that may not involve a fight or a parade or a, a you know, a physical protest. Um, the, the three of us and many more are listening to this conversation and really learning about ourselves and what racial attitudes we still carry for whatever reason, yeah. even subconscious. So um, that's my story. Well, I love it because, you know, part of what you just shared too is that spark that I asked Anita about. You know, that spark that caused mm -hmm. the four of us here to have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And right. hope more people will have that conversation. Thank mm -hmm. you. Gail, how about you? What's that little spark going on with you? I think that spark has been there my whole life in some ways. I, uh, um, from the time I was young and uh, my family moved me to an area that was all white from a very, fairly diversified small community. And um, somebody burned a cross in the front of a Black family's house that just had moved into this very expensive neighborhood 
And I can remember at the time thinking I was horrified and that nobody around me were talking about it, it at least in any way that, that was horrified as I was. And so by the time I hit college in 1969 and everything was right, was all present, I just joined right in and um, became very active and, and different movements and protesting and so forth from the civil rights to the Vietnam War and, uh, and other issues and feminism. Um, and so I, as I moved into my career as a psychotherapist, I found that I, that's what I was doing with people one-on-one, -on -one, helping them get to what was going on within them and help them own their own interpersonal transformation and personal transformation to activate what was in their life. As I was doing my, I walked that talk as I had to do my own life. Um, and then when I met Anita, um, and, and she did this program last year for OMA, the nonprofit that I'm the president of the board for, um, on uh, transformation from within towards anti-racism. I just kept telling her, I said, you've got to get this out there. You have something that the world has to hear. And then, of course, she invited Mavis and I to be part of that podcast. So, um, so this is my part. And, and because of, of all my whole life believing that uh, in truth and injustice, um, that it can change. We all can change, but we've got to change our own belief systems within ourselves before anything of our behavior or anything's going to change. We have to change that within ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Three women, you know, three pathways, uh, all weaved in a beautiful tapestry about what you're presenting through inflection point and beyond that and helping us understand how we can be better at stepping up and stepping in, you know, I mean, you know, to quote Alicia Keys, uh, girls on fire. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that, you know, that you do is not only are you taking this message out through your show, but you're helping people, you're helping people understand, stand the context of dialogue, of language, conversation, because I think we've gotten to the point now where we're so afraid of not saying the right thing, right? I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, I don't even like, what do I say? Do I say he, she, it, them, non-binary? Is it LGBTQ or is it LGBTQ? I said, it, I said, look, please. It's not about the label. What's in your heart? What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Mm -hmm. I don't worry about whether you're going to call somebody like a he or she or whatever they refer to. If there's something that you can learn in terms of understanding people, then you'll learn it along the way. But being silenced because you're afraid that you might leave a letter off an acronym or not call a group the right group, that is not what we have time for today. Uh, Anita, I want to ask you this, because in what you do in your coaching in the show, you have outlined an approach to take. And one of the things is that there is purpose and meaning for you to do this show. You ask a question, but you also help us understand that we can get to the choices we make, understand why we make them, and then to understand if we can make a different choice. What is it that you all are doing in the activism through coaching model? And what do you mean when you refer to the coin analogy? Oh yeah, that's that's a central part of when I was putting all of this together. The coin analogy is a central part of this. So I, I'll just kind of break it down. Everybody, we've all seen coins, quarter, nickel, dime, whatever. 
Um, and every coin that I've ever seen has two sides to it. And both of those sides are very different. Like I have never seen a coin where both sides were exactly the same. And so I use that sort of as an analogy for the dual nature of life in America, right? And you can kind of look at that dual nature from multiple perspectives. So for example, because I'm, you know, sort of in this space of anti-racism, I do see it from that perspective in terms of uh, people of color and, and our experiences on one side of the coin, uh, particularly black for me, and also uh, the dominant culture of white folks on the other side of the coin. And those experiences are very different. Like if you just look at Mavis and me and the way she described her upbringing versus my upbringing, very, very different very different and to a great extent different based on the fact that she's white and I'm black. But I also think that given the space that we're in right now, that that coin also is truth versus lies mm. on the same coin. And I think everybody can agree that when, particularly when we're talking about the history in this country, yeah. that it's been presented in a way that doesn't fully tell the truth. And so for people like me living in the black community, growing up, um, my culture and my language, I know things about the United States and America and how it's treated people way more than a lot of other individuals do primarily because of the way that history is presented, right? And so I can say I went to school, learned history just like everybody else, you know, but I also was learning history at home and I was learning black history at home. So I always knew kind of like, okay, this is the story that is being told, but that's not necessarily the truth. So that coin also carries the duality of truth versus falsehood if you yeah. will, yeah. right? But then the third side of the coin is where it really gets interesting because most people don't think of the edge as that third side, but that's exactly what it is. And so I look at those two sides and then there's this edge. And from the coaching perspective, there will be some people on one side, and again, for all intents and purposes around conversation of racism, I'm talking about white folks right? There will be some white folks who will have the courage, because it takes a lot of courage, to step out of this place and step onto the edge of that coin. And when you're on the edge of that coin, now you have the advantage of having a 360 view. So you can get knowledge and you can get awareness and you can kind of see what are some of those other experiences. But that's not the full, that's not the full story. The difference between people standing on the edge and Mavis and Gail is that there are other people who jump off the edge and they fully immerse themselves into what does life in America look like through my eyes, through my story, through my lens, without me having to explain it or without them uh, questioning yeah. it or anything along those lines, they're fully immersed in trying to understand and have a better sense 
of what does this look like for me? Because when they understand what it looks like for me, that's when we can really start having those genuine conversations that can bring about change. So that's kind of what that coin analogy is. It's the duality, number one. And then there's that edge kind of giving you that view, a little bit of insight, a little bit of knowledge, but you might not necessarily be doing anything with that insight and knowledge. But those people who make that choice to fully jump off the edge and into my experience, that's where the real change can begin to happen. Oh, I love it. I want to talk to both Mavis and Gail about what you just shared. But you know, you're right about about so much of that. I, I was talking to Brett Bevel the other day. He's one of our other uh, hosts, co-hosts. And Brett uh, has written a book called Healing Racism Within. But he has coined a very interesting phrase that doesn't always get him at the top of the popularity list. He's a white man. Mm-hmm who schools people on white cowardice. That's his phrase. That's Brett. And if you want to see bold action, you have to take bold action. But it's not a one-size-fits-all. I mean, if you if you met Brett, he would be, if, as with the three of you, you probably run into this. You know, you may, he may walk up to you and say, you know, I wonder if you've ever experienced white cowardice. And people may look at him like, what did you just say to me? But you see, I love this because we have to have conversations. We have to have conversations. And silence. And, and we're going through it again. It's deafening. It is deafening. It is just beyond anything I understand. And yet, I'm like a lot of people who are lost about what to do. Mavis, Gail, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you, when you think about the, and I love that, that, that edge part of the coin. Mm-hmm. I love that, right? Um, you've said yes to step up here. You know, that is a form of activism to me the three of you, right? It is a bold move that requires bold activism that requires bold transformation. That's what you're involved in, Mavis. Uh, You're absolutely right. Um, Anita's made it so such a pleasure, though. You know, I, I keep hearing about the word courage, but she's been a friend of mine for a long time. So uh, we're very comfortable with these conversations. Um, the uh, the great thing that Anita does is um, she I guess it's it's the part of the coaching mechanism right she will ask me what do I remember at a certain time for example in history and I I will say well I don't know I don't know if I think of anything because I'm holding back mm-hmm. I'm holding back the horrible racist experience. And she will encourage me and encourage me until out it comes. (laughs) And I'm horrified. But she says she knows a lot of white people, and I agree, are thinking that way or have suppressed thoughts like that. So um, I feel that this uh, this does take a little courage, especially in the world of social media. Um, 
we don't expect everyone to agree with us, but we are going to continue this calm, loving, non-debate, <laughs> you know, this conversation so that we can learn and we can keep sharing mm -hmm. it with others. You know, did I answer your question, Pat? You did. I love it. I'm going to go to Gail. But here, here's the thing that I love about what we're talking about now, because how many things do we hear about that we ignore? Okay. So what do I mean by that? And Gail, you're going to get this, right? This is coming to you now. So how many things do we hear that we let just, uh, that got to beef it out, those people over there specifically let me give you an example we're not going to talk about politics today but i'm not talking about politics i'm talking about activism on and i gotta i get these pop-up things on my phone i don't know if you all get them right i had to cancel a couple of them because my phone was like going like this over the weekend <laughs> but the pop-up i got got my attention and i finally clicked on it and it said did you know that in the state of pennsylvania that if there were an election today, these 2 million ballots would be illegal. No, I didn't know. And I'm not living under a rock. But whose vote do you think will not be counted? The people that can't get out and go to the polls. The entire senior population that is so used to voting by paper ballot. I mean... And I just thought to myself, can that be true? Is that where we are now that we're going to keep silence and silence and silencing until somebody is just going to say no mas, right? But if we don't have conversations and shows like the ones you have, we don't even know that it's okay for us to have a chat. Gail? I mean, you're right. It's like, look at um, the whole... And not just George Floyd, but even before George Floyd, and how many people may have heard something, but then just put it aside, right? I don't really want, I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to look at it. It's too whatever, um, whatever the, the belief system would be. And so George Floyd, his death was just so, because of the media, was so right there that it was really hard to ignore that. It was very, it was not impossible, right? Yeah. And the, it's almost like the, the, the repressed rage and anger and, and hurt and pain that, that everyone that is Black in this country has ever experienced just surfaced, right? Mm. Which is good because we can't change what we can't see. We can't change what we can't see differently, right? And so to, to do that, you have to have courage to step into that place. You have to be willing to say, okay, I'm not just going to pass over that one. I'm going to look at that. It's like the voting thing. I mean, I didn't know that. It's like a three-second pop-up on the phone. That's horrific. I that mean, I just happened to get my finger on right. it quick enough to find out if they were trying to sell me something, right? right? So but let's just so control how many people right? are going to be able to vote, right? Two million. Vote. Two million votes is not, like, no. shabby. That's not small. And it's actually, going to, it's actually going to progress even further. But then the question is, I want to ask you both about this when we come back. How do we become part of the solution? But before we go to break, three things. One is I have to honor the fact that you have opened a, a learning forum. See, a learning forum. Because information and knowledge is power. 
learning what we're capable of, that's a superpower. See, learning what we are capable of, that's a superpower. And you've set the stage for it. So before we go to break, can you tell us, Anita, or Mavis, or Gail, what you set up, tell folks how they can listen to your show and tell them how they can get engaged and involved. Oh, absolutely. So um, the name of our uh, podcast is Inflection Point Podcast, and it's spelled inflection with an X. And I purposely spelled it that way because X is kind of like we're in this unknown space right now. We're trying to figure out which, which way is the arc going to bend. I'm trying to bend the arc in a particular uh, direction and all of that. And I also have um, my coaching practice, which is under the brand of The Place to Soar. And Mavis, either Mavis or Gail had mentioned, um, or maybe they both did, a workshop and a mastermind. So I do workshops and masterminds that specifically focus on racism and anti-racism. So I look at myself in that space of um, the work that I'm doing. My ultimate goal is to eradicate racism. And so that's kind of the space that I live in, but I don't exclusively focus on racism. I also do um, personal transformation in my coaching practice as well. Wow. Uh, how do we find out any or all of the above from both Mavis, Gail, anything you want to share? And how do, please tell people how to listen to your show. Yeah, we are on Trade Nation Talk Radio every first <laughs> and third Wednesday of the month, and you don't want to miss it. It's a very dynamic, it's just a dynamic um, thing that we're doing here. Yeah, Thank you, you don't want to miss that. it. Um, I, I'm going to, we're going to go to a short break and I want to leave everybody with this because you all have emailed me about talking about Mary Louise Smith, one of my greatest mentors, just an amazing woman, African-American, amazing woman, never got anywhere, walked in the rooms, puffing on a cigarette, taught me how to put on lipstick. <laughs> she really did. But I walk in a room and before I open my mouth, Mary Louise Smith would say to me like this. What part of the problem are you? Now, that is the last thing you want anybody to ask you when your world is on fire, everything is coming down around you, your job is coming apart, and your boss says, what part of the problem are you? When we come back, do you know what part of the problem you are? Because if you do, you're going to be able to create an exquisite solution. Take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you ready for the real results you want? Don't miss the new show. Why wait? Look better. Feel better. Be your best from the inside out. With me, Georgette LePage. Join Dr. Pat Basili and me monthly to tackle topics that are often seen as roadblocks to weight loss. Each discussion offers you practical solutions for your transformational changes. Find out more about show dates and times or connect with me directly at GeorgetteLePage.com. Welcome to Soul Activation Podcast, a world-class broadcast of insight and inspiration with the renowned healer and coach, Suzanne Alexandria. 
In this series, she dives deep into the magical sea of you, to the place in you that's ready to activate. Tune in live every second and fourth Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Obear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Obear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack, and I'm excited to tell you about the latest technology. It is new to this country, and it's just amazing. It's out of Germany. The Healy is state-of-the-art technology for improving and changing the body vibration. I have more information about the Healy on my website, maryjanemack.com, or you can call the office at 888-777-4232. Welcome back, everyone. Great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. What a great show. Um, I want to make sure you all know that we're talking about activism through coaching. It is a grassroots movement. It always has been. And we need to be reminded that that's the deal. We need to be reminded that grassroots movements are the things that take the people that govern us into a level of information and knowledge to make sure they know that we're watching, to make sure they know that it's not okay to take away voting rights. But right now where we are is we have to be the people that takes what's in our hearts and do something. I want to tell you something. um, And before I do, I would love for, um, I'd love for you to mention again, how do they find out about you all? How do they listen to your show? Anita, you want to do it? Sure. Uh, my, as, as I mentioned, my brand is theplacetosoar.com. The podcast that we have on Transformation Talk Radio is Inflection Point Podcast, and that is Inflection with an X. And we, oh, we also, um, we are broadcast on the first and third Wednesday of every month at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Awesome. Look, There are many things that we could talk about, about what we're seeing. There are many things that we could say, this is not true. That is not true. This, I love the whole coin analogy. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. But we can be part of the solution. I saw what's happened. I, I, I come from a trucker family. So the whole deal with the trucking thing, the trucker people, mm-hmm. it's just right here. You know, my dad owned a trucking company. We grew up in that environment. Probably the first wheels I ever had my hand on was an 18-wheeler, right? And I, I haven't been involved with what's happening in Canada, but it has now come here. Uh, in the middle of Everett, protests down the streets, right? But see, this is, this is what a movement is made from. Now, whether you agree with them, whether you agree about what their truth is, whether you agree about are they fighting for the right thing? Do we have the right problem? Is there a solution? That's not my point. Somehow they're out there on the streets with a whole bunch of signs and a whole bunch of those, those mega horn things, mm-hmm. and they are getting attention. So my question is, They have come up with the only solution that they felt was in their control to have. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. From where we sit here, what I've observed is that, you know, are they peaceful? Well, they're vocal. They're not taking guns into their state capital, but they people are marching with signs, doing something because they believe in it. I want to ask, where do we find a solution for this? Because we just are getting real silent about stuff. Mm. And to be honest with you, I don't really know what the solution is. So I'm going to hit you up, Anita, first. My response, whenever people ask, like, what do you think the, the solution is? So when I think about this awesome goal of, eradicating racism that is big and it's complex and it's multi-layered and it's got all kinds of elements related to it right but the way I see it is if you look at it like the spokes on the wheel you know how you have the central part of the wheel that is eradicating racism to me is that central part but then you've got all these spokes that are coming off all of these different pathways. So the way I see it is my pathway is one thing because I'm in the activism through coaching model and I'm, you know, sitting here and I'm engaging with people and having conversations and helping them to go through this process of critical self-reflection to find out what are those things that are buried inside of me that are actually contributing to the problem. So that's my path. That's my strategy because that's based on what I know. I'm not the person that's going to go out and run for office. There are people out there who want to eradicate racism and that's their path is to go out and run for office. So I look at sort of the problem or the the goal that we're uh, trying to get to, but there's all these different paths that are all coming towards that same. So I don't look at it necessarily that there's one solution. I think there's one place that we want to be in, which is the eradication of racism, but the pathway by which we get there is going to be completely different for different people. Yeah. 
I want to ask you all about this because it has to do with the mastermind approach. I'm going to hop over to you, Mavis, Anita. Thank you for that. Um, when we look back, one of the things I will tell you from my own personal experience, there were mastermind groups happening to create the kind of change we really saw in the 60s and 70s. Now, we didn't call them mastermind groups. I'm sorry. That was like a new thing, I guess. But there were the same approach. There was a way to bring people together in a strategic direction, right? That's what corporations call it, right? Um, but how do we get these minds together to have a conversation? Um, how do we bring them together? You know, when we think about the mastermind approach, what comes to mind for you, Mavis, Gail, and then back to you, Anita? Well, Anita was the one that taught me about the idea of a ma mastermind. It's not a part of my lexicon before that either. <laughs> and then um, I, you know, forced me to kind of look at when you take three such different people, but experienced and educated people and put those minds together, you, you do create something better than the sum of the parts. And um, so, so that's very exciting. Um, uh, were you talking, uh, Pat, about how to create change through that mechanism? Yep. Okay. You know what I'm seeing a lot now? We're connected with uh, Kyle Williams and a long talk, a whole other grassroots effort. And uh, I use the analogy that we're we're finding out about a lot of these conversations here and there. And out in the Midwest, we have brush fires, right? <laughs> and pretty soon right. those fires coalesce and there will be a movement you will not be able to ignore. And, um, you know, one of the things I, uh, uh, the principles I follow in terms of my work in Rwanda, um, I can't solve the problems of a post-genocidal country. I uh, singularly cannot stop genocide but I can do something, something, a, a small act uh, to eliminate suffering somewhere. Um, the other night I was in one of the long talk classes and one of the uh, leaders, Kamal said, it is so great to see you all again. And most of us are white that came to the meeting. He said, you could have just not come back after Christmas, you know? So even to me, the fact that we are there, we are listening, we are connecting, we are learning uh, is, is really a big step in the, in the right direction. And um, these various groups are putting together uh, uh, more tangible acts that people can do. And, um, uh, you know, it's from a, a watch party where you share the impressions of a movie together and then, you know, email comments to 10 people or something, you know, little, keep taking those little steps. Um, I, I believe in the power of that. If you don't, you are frozen. Yeah. You know, you just stop dead in your tracks. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm just going to keep in that vein and, um, and watch what happens. Yeah, I, I do not want to be a part of the problem. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally right there with you. I mean, honestly, I had a moment where I thought I was going to be like a song, you know, like I was going to write this song about it. Just like the, I had a moment that I thought I was Bob Dylan here over the weekend. I'm not, you know, uh, or Jimi Hendrix or anybody that was able to verbalize, was able to come out. You know, look, 
everybody, everybody, even you that are listening to this show, that you're probably thinking, there they go again. See, you can be part of a solution. You get to pick which part you want to be, right? But not being aware and not being aware of what is going on that affects you yeah. and your children, that is like Mary Louise Smith would say, that is that is me being not part of the problem. Gail, how about you? What's your take? Well, I, I think that we each have the ability within us to take a step and look in that mirror to see where we are with ourselves and whatever the issue might be, um, whether it's being about racism or it's about the, the voting, the politics around voting and so forth is going, whatever the issue might be. But we've got to be willing to take that step and look and say, okay, wait a second, what do I really think or feel? Yeah. What am I really believing about this? And where is that coming from? Is it just mine or did I adopt that somewhere or were there imprints that placed upon me? And it's my responsibility, that accountability to say, okay, wait a second, I got to look at this and I got to resolve this. And, you know, what I do in my practice is help people do the, the most difficult thing and takes courage to do it is to look within themselves, to look in that mirror. And I think we all have to be able to begin to do that more and more. And so that I, I may not be out there, I used to go out and protest and I may or may not do that now, but this is something I can step into doing and just sharing what I believe is truth. But most importantly, it's listening. You can't have a conversation if you're not willing to listen and mm -hmm. hear from the other person's perspective of what they're experiencing. You know, validation that we're, it's really when you are hearing what the other person, what they're feeling, you can validate that because you can understand from their perspective. You don't have to agree with them, but you can understand from their perspective how they must feel. That one thing, if we all could do that with that level of compassion, I mean, that would be huge, right? So there are many different things that we can do from, from all kinds of different steps to become more active, more involved. And make different decisions, right? Yeah. You know, once you've got that awareness, then you're in a position to decide differently. Sorry, Anita, go ahead. No, but I just, wanted to, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of that because really what it boils down to is um, critical self-reflection. When I created this whole entire thing, activism through coaching, one of the other tenets of coaching is that we as coaches don't tell people what to do. Primarily what we do is ask a lot of questions and the purpose of those questions and they're very um, specific questions, but the whole entire point is to help that individual discover what it is that whatever, if it's an obstacle that's holding them back, what is it within myself? And so from this perspective, activism through coaching, it's all about helping people to go within themselves. What are those thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that I really hold in the core of myself? I don't even know that they're there potentially, but what are they? And the more you are on the immersive side of the coin and you begin to understand those historical truths and those lived experiences, and you're in that space of trying to harmonize all of that and understand the, inter the intersection between all of those things, it helps to draw out what are those things inside of you. Mm -hmm. Because those things, your thoughts, your ideas, and your belief, they show up 
in your words, your actions, and your behaviors, hmm. whether it's consciously or unconsciously. Um, I've, I've had conversations with people, just, just helping them to kind of get to the space of understanding that racism is something you can feel. We can feel that. I actually have a name for it. It's called my internal racism alert system. And it, it gets triggered when I'm in a different kind of space. Like I'll give you a contrasting example. The first time I met Gail, I was invited to an event that um, Oma was hosting. And I walked into the space, a beautiful space. I walked into the space. I was the only black person there, right? But I didn't feel like I was the only black person there. I felt like I was just one of many persons that were there. And for me, that was a testimony to Gail as a leader, but also the other people that were associated with Oma, because I've had other instances where I walked into uh, that type of situation where I may be the only person of color and my radar goes off right away because I can feel that energy. So people kind of think, I think sometimes white people often think if, if I don't say this, or if I don't say that, or if I don't do this, or I don't do that, that I can hide my racism, we can feel it. Yeah, everything's energy. Everything's energy. And there's nothing more painful as the energy isolation mm. and discrimination. And I don't care what you want to call it. There is an energy around it and people know, you know, you can feel it. You've been at the end of it, but you see what you ladies are doing is you're creating a dialogue. You're giving people tools and you're enabling us to really take that step forward. I want to ask each of you, and I'm going to start with you this time, Gail. I want to ask each of you in the time we have left, I would love to know what inspires you as you look ahead for your show as you look ahead for the work that the three of you are doing together, and as you look ahead for what you're called to do, what is inspiring you most, Gail? I think I've always um, had this knowing and believing in true what truth is, and and that, and when I don't feel or experience it, it hurts, right? I mean, in any level, anyway. Um, and the truth is, we come, we all come here. From the same source, we all come in with a knowing that I'm not better than you are, you're not better than I am, that, and we've forgotten that. And it's been forgotten because of lots of different history and, and projections and all kinds of things that have layered upon layer upon layer. My incentive my, is to really help release those layers so that we all can get to that place within ourselves, to listen, to hear that truth, not just from somebody out there, but in here. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's Mavis, what can happen. how about you, Mavis? Well, I'm, I feel driven by the amount of suffering in the world and how many people have no one to uh, alleviate that suffering at all. You know, for example, there's no reason that anyone should go hungry on this planet at this point. <laughs> We have the technology, we have the wealth, we have everything. So I just, um, I want to use the currency of my life, the time I have for the best purpose, the, the most, uh, the, the greatest 
effect on suffering and reducing suffering. Um, I always think about my siblings, how they've stepped in for me when I've needed a little bit of help. And it can change the way you're in the world very quickly. If you don't feel hopeless, um, you just, you make different decisions. And that's what I've always thought in my work in Rwanda. If people know that they're loved, if, they're, if they have access to food and education, maybe, maybe their country has a different trajectory than it has had in the past. Mm. So it's, it's suffering that inspires me in reducing it. Yeah. Wow. And my team here. I mean, Anita and Gail have just forced me uh, out of my <laughs> <laughs> out of my comfort zone into a space that you know has really been a blessing, uh, a time of learning that's just been delicious. Really, mm-hmm. really, I enjoy enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no kidding. I, I, I've seen, I've actually seen that in all of you, Anita, how for, how for you, I mean, yeah, you know, this, this word inspiration, I accidentally re, uh, misused it. I have a tendency to do that. And out of it came a new idea for myself. Instead of inspired, I said, inspirited. And that is like, not even a word, but I said it. And so it really gave me a new, a new, a new fire, a new spark. But for you, what is inspiring you? And please tell people how they can find out about the show. Yes, it's my grandson, my grandson, Cairo. So I have two grandsons. One one is 14 and over six feet. And then the other one's about three feet tall because he'll be two years old. But when my daughter was asking asking that question, she was asking me about the little one, uh, Cairo. And... Every time I see, I have this one particular video that I had taken of him when we were out, um, when I was visiting them, it was just the two of us on an outing. And I took this video and everything in that video, as I see him just simply walking through the space, we were outside and just enjoying himself. He was responding to birds and, you know, just people walking along and he touched the grass and touching the bushes and, and all of that because he felt free. He literally feels free within the context of his little two-year-old existence. But I want him to have that when he's 12 or when he's 14 or 17 or 25. I want him to still be able to walk through the world with that level of comfort, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, that's what Inflection Point Podcast is all about. Cairo was definitely that spark for getting the whole thing started. I got the idea. And then next thing I know, I'm talking to the folks from Transformation Talk Radio. And then I'm talking to Gail and I'm talking to <laughs> Megas, And it all just came together. Inflection Point Um, podcast is the name of our show the first and third Wednesday of every month on transformationtalkradio.com